what I really want to see down the line, 20 years from now, 50 years from now, is the promotional products industry matching what our culture, our country is. That's really it. I would like to see the marketers matching the population. And I don't see that right now. So that's my hope. It's not even about culture as much as just a better balance. You know, anything with World War II, everybody's all about it. And there's all these like great things that came out of it. And it's like, you understand that. Like, we were still getting beat <laughs> by the government. Welcome to the Promo Kitchen Podcast. This week, I'm really excited to have two amazing guests, one of which is our sous chef, Andrea Pereira from Rocket Science Branding, and Jared Taylor from Brandigenous up in Canada with me. So welcome, Andrea and Jared. Hi, Perfect. So this conversation doesn't really have a structure. It's more of, I find these two people very fascinating and wanted to talk beyond the, how are you doing? So it's basically about identity and we'll expand from there. So Jared, do you want to give us a little idea about who you are, where you're based, the whole thing? Yeah, I'm from Victoria, BC is where I live, which is on Vancouver Island in Canada. So the far west coast of Canada, the southernmost point of that island on the side of it. The easiest way I can explain it to a large audience who doesn't know where that is, but my family itself is from Miller Bay, BC, which is on Cormorant Island, which is a tiny island on the north end of Vancouver Island. And so when people ask me where I'm from, that's my home community, right? That's where my roots are from being half Indigenous and half Scottish. My Indigenous side's been in pre-Canada a long time. You know, we've been here forever, over 10,000 years. And so when people ask, where are you from? I have, <laughs> I have a good answer for people here pretty much, right? The rest of that answer is that I work in Victoria, which is someone else's territory. I'm a different type of Indigenous native person, let's say. And so I work on somebody else's land and I'm kind of a guest there. Still an accepted guest, right? Where it doesn't matter what nation you're from, you're identifying you are indigenous, you are usually welcome on that person's land, right? As a guest. So that's where I operate my business. Very cool. We'll just start with the main question of who are you or what are you? And how do you answer that when people ask or the where are you from? And the second question that's unsaid of that, how do you answer that? Like when somebody doesn't know what I am or? Yeah. <laughs> that's fun. Yeah, yeah. Where are you from? Yeah, I mean, what happens is, is I find I end up doing a lot of education. And I'm some people's only contact, especially when you operate a business that is outwardly facing Indigenous. I find that I end up being people's resource book or the only person they know, right? And so I get those questions sometimes. Of, hey, do you know this person? Hey, can you hook us up with this, right? That kind of, I guess, bridge to the Indigenous world. Because I'm white passing as well, I kind of get into those rooms a little bit easier. And being in business, it's a little bit awkward because you have to make judgment calls based on the person you're dealing with or the situation you're in. And so the answer often changes for me, which is, it's always truthful and it's always honest, but it just depends on how much they can handle, right? And what questions they ask and what's their education level. So if I were to educate somebody who really wants to listen, I'm there for it, right? I'm one person at a time. I'll try and tell people because 
in Canada, Indigenous is very complicated because there's many different small nations all put together, and that's just a geographical thing, right? And so because we live in islands and mountainous terrain, whereas you go further east, well, it's open land. Well, that open land makes one larger kind of people, right? So what I found is that when I have to, <laughs> I, I break it down of like, where are you from? I'm from the north end of Vancouver Island. I'm indigenous. And then I'll leave it at that. And then if somebody asks further, then I can explain further, right? But even just to explain that amount of like, hey, <laughs> there's a ton of little nations all throughout. A bunch of us are all related, right? And then, so it, it's a long question. It depends how much people want to listen and if they're truly interested. Oh, it's a loaded question for sure. So just for everyone listening, because I know in the States is a little bit different. So there's Indian, Native American, Indigenous. What language do you use? Your company is called Brendigenous. Exactly, right? Indigenous to this land. We are the original inhabitants. So Indigenous is the correct word. We've shifted from Aboriginal, which was a term chosen by the government to basically be a more friendly version and a more true version of what we were. That it actually isn't 100% correct. That was just that's what they were changing all the government agencies to 10 years ago, right? And before that, it was Indian, which in speaking with other Indigenous people, we say whatever we want to each other. But in another format, we like Indigenous is what I choose, right? And it, it's up for debate depending on the person. But Indigenous is definitely where we're going in Canada. Yeah, it's very interesting. So Andrea, you're on the other Indian side of things. So how do you answer the, where are you from? It depends on who's asking and what setting. So just like Jared, if I think a conversation is going to go on a little bit longer, I might actually say, well, I was born in India, but I came here when I was two and I've lived in Southern California my whole life. If it's someone that I don't think that I'm going to have an ongoing relationship with, or I don't really want to get into it, or I just don't have the time, I'll just go with, oh, I'm pretty much a California native, lived here my whole life for as long as I can remember. It's when people go in the direction of, you look so exotic or something like that, that I'll start digging my heels in and say, oh, I'm from Westchester, you know, by LAX. I've lived there pretty much my whole life. Yeah. Before that, my parents lived in these other neighborhoods here in Los Angeles. I don't go into the fact that I was two years old when I came here and that I was actually born in India. So it just it kind of depends on that vibe you get from someone. Are they actually interested in knowing you? Or are they just kind of like, oh, you don't look like me. What's the difference here? Why are we trying to identify differences is where I look. Yeah, they want to classify you so quickly. Like, okay, you go into this column. And yeah, because yes. you've talked before about how you get identified as Indigenous or Latin or <laughs> the whole spectrum of things. Yeah. And then for that matter, too, come think of it. When I'm talking to other Indians, then I'll go with, oh, I'm going to Manglorian because then I know that. In India, you identify yourself by the state that your family is from. So it totally depends on who I'm talking to, what they actually care about. That's the exact same for me, right? I would identify if I was talking to another Indigenous person, I would say where I'm actually from, because mm -hmm. that's what matters, right? Your community, your home yes. community, who claims you. It tells so much more about you when you know that. The food you like to eat, the languages that you speak, everything, the way you dress. Jared, your company's name, Brendigenous, is tied into your identity. And Andrea is rocket science branding. And so, Jared, what motivated you to sort of tie your identity to your company? For me, it was the belief that 
what we do as an industry and promotional products was I was always about not do being the wasteful place and that's where like by doing quality stuff and that's kind of what our indigenous roots are. They're always like, hey, only use what you need. And I thought it was a kind of a cool oxymoron in that like it's viewed as by many as the swag stuff, right? And I thought how cool would it be to try and input my indigenous values into that industry and be like, well listen, this is how we do things. We can still do it. We just have to do it well, right? And I just thought that was a cool way to tie it together. And it is who I am, to be honest. Even though I, I, and the funny thing is I grew up in the city, right? And so, but I've always been in touch with my culture. We've always sung, dance, we go to politics and travel. And my parents made it a real priority in our life to take us home all the time, right? To visit my grandparents, to attend cultural things. And we practiced it here with, we have a family dance group that would travel around the world and we would do dancing and singing and performances as a way to kind of give people awareness of who we were and that we were still here and this is our type of blankets and masks and stuff right and these are some this is a taste of our traditions and so it was kind of like an educational thing for our family as well and we would go into schools and do it right and I started out being embarrassed and then I came to really empower and realize glad my parents did that it's a real part of my identity as a person and I put that into my core as a business as well, right? My business is who I am as a person. That's kind of why I launched this, right? Was to be like, you know what? I feel like there's a cool market to serve and there's a cool way to do this, right? Where it all integrates culture, morals, all that stuff can come together into a business setting, right? In the colonial parameters of a business. <laughs> From the government. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so speaking of that, so are you certified as a minority business? Yeah, I did certified Aboriginal business is what it's called in Canada, similar to like the CAMSEC one, right? But it's just a specific Aboriginal certified business. Do you feel it opens up doors for you or has it given you an advantage? Like what is your stance on that? Yes, I mean, because people want some system of authenticity, right? And mine's pretty outward facing, which is kind of why I made it that way. It was like, okay, I shouldn't have to really prove too much of who I am because it is my life. <laughs> you know, it's pretty authentic. Like, And I deal with a lot of, you know, it's as my business has grown and it's growing across the country kind of thing, it's the further I go, the more you have to explain because you're getting out of your network, right? And so I've noticed that, yeah, I do have to do a little bit of explaining at certain points and that certification helps in that regard sometimes where they just see that badge and go, oh, okay, they're legit, right? But Go check my Instagram once and you'd be like, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> there's, yeah. There's enough indigenous designs and logos and proof there that you go, okay, this, this place is legit. Like <laughs> in this day and age, it'd be pretty hard to fake that nowadays. Although someone just did it in Canada. So. <laughs> Not really surprised, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we had a great conversation earlier with someone in his dance on that. And so Andrea, you are certified as a minority business in the US. So what is your stance on it? I know there's value in it because Kathy Chang of Redwood talks about supplier diversity a lot. And both of you are on the distributor side. It opens up doors. It opens up opportunities. How have you found being a minority business? I found value because the organization specifically works to open the doors between larger corporate organizations and the minority businesses. So I'm getting to meet people I might have not met otherwise. But my stance on it, other than that, is kind of a little murky. I haven't quite figured out how I feel about it, to be honest. I, I mean, 
obviously I believe in it. I got the certificate. It's not free. It's a lot of paperwork. So yes, I did it. But I have this picture in my head of it shouldn't matter. It doesn't matter. I want a day where it doesn't matter and my work speaks for itself. So why am I participating in this group? Why am I putting it out there that I am a minority business if I want it to not matter? And so that's always kind of been in the back of my head a little bit, but at the same time too, we're not there yet. And it's the stepping stones to get there and to help our industry, our work. I mean, marketing in general is not representative of the American population, diversely speaking. So how do we get there if we don't make a big deal out of it at the beginning? So I'm still kind of figuring this one out. This is one I don't have a straight answer for. Interesting. I'm part of it is like, if it helps, take advantage of it. Just do it. Just get whatever it is. It's one of those, like what you said, the opening of the doors. Yes. So from a business perspective, yes, if it helps and if the benefits outweigh the costs from a business perspective, of course, why would you not? It would be a bad business decision. It's not your fiduciary duty to your shareholders or your owners, whatever, to not do it. But at the same time, too, it's such an identity situation. And for me, growing up in Los Angeles, I just don't even know where I'm going with this completely in like a PC kind of way. But where I'm trying to get to is that I wasn't raised very Indian, in my opinion. I never did Indian dance. I mean, we eat Indian food at home, but it's because it's food, right? You don't really think about this as when you're a kid growing up, you eat the food your parents put in front of you on the dinner table. It's not, this is Indian food. And I never really did a lot of Indian dresses. When I did do them, it was for a special occasion. Going to school, sometimes I would take lunches, but then you also get to that age where kids start becoming mean. And it's like, why does your lunch smell different? And so immediately you preserve and protect yourself. So out of self-preservation, you start taking peanut butter and jelly sandwiches because that's what everybody else has, even though you really like that chicken curry. And so for me, I sometimes waffle between, am I Indian enough? Am I cultural enough? And that's partially why when it comes to things like the minority certificate, I feel almost a little imposterish. Like I didn't grow up in India and live there for 30 years. I don't speak the languages fluently. I don't know. I don't know. It's a weird situation. There's no answer. I don't have an answer. I get where you're coming from on that though, right? Because as a kid, I had those same kind of things. Go through those awkward years where you're kind of like, no, I don't want to fish for lunch right and then that does relate to what we're talking about of like do you agree in the certification thing because it shouldn't matter but we're just not there yet and I think that's the bottom line right is you have to take those advantages and sometimes some of those advantages don't align with my morals or like I don't like how they operate and I won't take them and it's just as simple as that it's a judgment call like everything else we have to do right does this align because some of them are like government colonial a bunch of stuff like that and I'm just like you know what I just can't support this and there's traps out there too right there's stuff that comes from oil and gas or fish farms that I can't touch once I do the research of who's sponsoring this I'm like well that's a trap I can't be involved in that stuff right so there is like certifications grants things like that that just don't align with your core values and I think that's what it is for me it all comes back to like your personal cultural beliefs whatever you want to do is your person right and that carries through to the business 
Absolutely. Absolutely. It has to feel true to yourself at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. I think the difference is when you're a minority or some sort of unique ethnic business, it does get tied culturally to you. Other people can just wash their hands and be like, okay, it's just my business, right? Whereas for me, it is tied to my culture. It's ingrained in it. So I have to like stay true to it, right? The business has to be legit. <laughs> yeah. And your brand name and everything, it's so much more of an identity than mine is. I absolutely can see that. So the question is, and maybe we're getting very metaphysical here, is I think like this next generation coming up are very good at building their own identities and whether or not it's like straight from scratch or anything else. So when you're building your brand identity as well, and you're tying in who you are to it, what do you discard and what do you keep? I kind of get what you're saying there. Again, it's very situational. I've been doing it my entire life. I've been thrown into situations. I think that's why I am where I am today is because when we would do those performances, I became the token Indian at a place. We did stuff in our local museum here and they host basically events. And those events are corporate events where people get flown in from all across the world, whatever. So I was a kid from the age of like four to the age of 18, let's say. And you do a performance of maybe 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and you get every cross-section of person. You get the people who watch and are interested and may come up to you and ask questions after, and the people who have no interest and the people who are drunk. So basically, I became used to those different dynamics of people asking you questions that are very, very different levels of knowledge, right? And so, again, I will always cater those answers depending on the audience. And so I guess that's a realization coming right now is that like I'm constantly doing that, right? I'm constantly changing. I'm not changing my core value. I'm just changing how I answer or behave with somebody, right? Like code switching or just choosing the messaging based upon, are you really interested in learning or are you just trying to make a conversation because you feel awkward and you want something to just label? You just want labeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Andrea, for you, when you're code switching, what do you find is the most brought forward or the most dropped? On a brand level, I actually haven't really experienced that. I think more of my Southern California personality is really what comes through. Just having lived here for more than 30 years, it's just kind of who I am. And it's all of my formative years, right? So I think that my brand as a person and my brand as a company are really just not as much tied to my ethnicity at all. They're just who I am as a person. I don't know that that really answers your question. <laughs> you know what? It's one of those, like, if we've learned anything from this year is that most people were not paying attention. And now that we are, we're just like, well, what questions are we supposed to ask? Like, what is the right question? What are the hard questions as well? Like, Andrea, you and I talk about this as well is sort of, you know, what do you want to say? And what do you don't like? And it goes into your comment, Jared, of for safe spaces for the two of you, what are the conversations that come up? I say in a podcast, that's not the safe space. <laughs> Let me recognize that. <laughs> a lot of it's really self-identity and it's just the, where are you from questions and identifying is somebody really interested in me as a human being and what I'm putting out, or are they just interested in labeling where I'm from? And what is the purpose behind that? I think that when you are engaging in a conversation with someone, 
it's really the motivation and the why that drives how I will answer at least. What do you really want to get to know about me? Do you want to know me as a person or do you want to know what three generations ago people ate that I've never met and I have no real relation or connection to other than ancestral history? So I think for me, it's really the, where are you from? What do you call yourself? You know, and that also then too goes into a whole different level because even though I'm Indian, I have a Portuguese name and that also explains why I get a lot of, oh, you must be Latina or Brazilian, or you must be Portuguese. So it's, where are you going with it? And those are the conversations that I usually have in the backgrounds, the ones that are more nebulous. And it's just about where do you want to go with it? Because we can talk about all of it. (laughs) I mean, really, you can. Like, So in an industry that is mostly white and in marketing and branding, which is more diverse, what do you want the future to be for promotional products or even just business opportunities out there? Yeah, for me, it's more of a wanting to create jobs for people in communities that I work in or am from, right? And so for me, it's just intaking more people, I would say, with my values and views that are ingrained in them in their blood, basically, um, with modern skills that want to get involved, right? And so for me, it's, I don't know if I'm trying to like help the industry more than I'm trying to help my local communities and create jobs. But I think that's a bonus though, right? Is that we can show up at events and shows and be like, hey, this is us. We're a little bit different. We're unique. Have you, you know, and we're okay. I think telling people like it's okay to educate people, right? It's okay to answer those questions and to be those people, be prepared for that, right? It's part of our life in a way, right? You just get used to it. <laughs> it becomes a very normal task, I'll say, is the education aspect and the explanations, which are constant. But it's a good thing, right? Because then it's just it's the same way I grew up. It's you're educating people on who we are and we're still here and this is what we do. We're a modern business. <laughs> we do what you do. We're just a little bit browner. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> we just have more interesting designs. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, right? I always say to people, it's just like, well, the cool thing about the, a lot of the products I make is actually most of it's art. I mean, it's a company logo, but it's art. So it's, like, it's really kind of fun, right? You just got to respect the art. Totally. What I really want to see down the line, 20 years from now, 50 years from now, is the promotional products industry matching what our culture, our country is. That's really it. I would like to see the marketers matching the population. And I don't see that right now. So that's my hope. It's not even about culture as much as just a better balance. That's fair. I feel like everything should be representative of the population it serves. So such Mm -hmm. a small ask from you, Andrea. (laughs) I know. Don't get used to it. (laughs) So is there anything else that you guys want to cover in terms of identity that you want to sort of put out there or something that hasn't been asked or a complaint? Like no one better come up to me and ask where I'm from ever again. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, no, not for me, because I, I enjoy that education, right? And it's like we said, as long as someone's interested, I'm happy to explain it, right? Because it's just knowledge for them to pass on to somebody else. Our business operates on a reserve, right? And it's this beautiful building, which is, we're hosted by the it's the host nation's governance office. And I have people come in there for meetings because they're basically want to deal with an indigenous company, right? 
And so they come in and they go, this is the first time I've ever been in this building. Well, the thing's been there for like seven years. And I just go, wow, like that just shows me that. And this is someone who lives in my small little town, essentially, right? And it's just like, this is the first time you've ever stepped foot in here. And they're like, I didn't know if I could come in, right? And I just kind of go, oh, interesting, right? And that's the same thing. I'm judging that person based on what they know. So every time anybody asks me a question, I'm always happy to answer. And then there's a cutoff point. (laughs) Well, and I don't know if this is happening more in the U.S. I noticed that the Oscars this year, which happened in February and it's December now, and which feels ages ago, is they did a land acknowledgement. And it's happening a lot. When there used to be festivals and events that we went to in public, land acknowledgements happened each time. So, Andrea, do you see that happening where they're tying in with Indigenous and Aboriginal people, sort of tying that in? Because I know they do it in New Zealand and Australia as well. Is that happening in the States? I have not noticed this at all. That's not to say that it's not happening. I haven't noticed it. It's definitely different in the States versus Canada. Such a different system. Because I think the term in the state is still Native American, right? And that's Mm -hmm. what government uses and that's what most people use. The systems are so different, right? But it just shows you like what happens when you're encapsulated by a system. The systems are completely different and that just changes everything. I do believe that there are some acknowledgements in the States because we go down there for events sometimes, previous years, and they would do land acknowledgements. But again, that's an imaginary border, which is funny because right we're the most southern point of Vancouver Island, where I live. But our community up north would travel all the way down to Seattle, Puget Sound area. Well, they have a lot of the similar customs from trading with us and the same Europeans trading. And so there's similarities between us. And so even though we have a border separating us, we have some cultural ties. And those land acknowledgement ties carry through, which is funny. We go down there and we're going, oh, okay, we're all kind of similar. And they do paddling events. It's a canoe race thing. And they come up to this side. And it's no big deal. And they all do land acknowledgement. So that's, I've been in the States and seen them, but that's just because it's in our geographical area of indigenous person, right? Do you think that's also related to the population density of indigenous people? And I ask this because I think in some ways I have a little bit of a skewed vision because being in Los Angeles, being in such a melting pot of cultures, ethnicities, and groups, however you choose to identify yourself, I think that. We don't really see it until it's put in front of us with intention. And so I wonder, too, if those kinds of things are happening or are more noticeable, Jared, where you are, because it's a larger part of the population where here I expect diversity. I expect we have such a strong Latinx and Black culture and Asian culture. I expect diversity. Do you think that that could be part of it? Yeah, I mean, that makes total sense, right? I mean, the longer it goes on without it, and people don't know, like, that's a question you can look up, right? Like, okay, well, where do I live? Who originally was on this land? And that's basically your answer, right? Of like, that's a start point of, hey, maybe there is, should be these, you know? Mm-hmm. And I hear people put them on their websites now, the nations, as to what you should say for a land acknowledgement, right? Just because it's a constantly asked questions, because it's, as you alluded to, it is more popular here. I would venture that. It's probably where you live, you know, it's going to be a little different. I mean, the further you go out of town, maybe, maybe that might occur, but I'm just not Mm -hmm. sure in the States further away from the Puget Sound area. I'm not sure if the land acknowledgements are popular, but the one at the Academy Awards, that was a first for me to see it on such a big event. 
And I wonder, okay, does Microsoft do this in Seattle, right? Do they do that? And so now that's kind of an interesting question to ask is, are these large corporations that aren't in Canada? Because in Canada, there a lot of them are doing it now. And it's the right thing to do because for me, it goes back to education. Some people might just all of a sudden question, like, oh, we're on whose territory? What? Like, mm-hmm. this is, you know, this is SoCal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is that weird word they just said? Like, I never heard of that street. Like, something like, you know what I mean? It's just that tiny little bit. And if they hear it a few times, they might actually look it up and go, holy crap. Which is funny. <laughs> California education, as part of the curriculum identified by the state board of education, we spend a whole year in elementary school learning about the Native American lands and everything. So it's not like it's not known to us at all. It's just somehow between like third grade and adulthood, we forget a little bit of this. That's pretty standard. That's what they do in Canada too. And it's yeah. like a very broad, Kate and I are about the same age we probably get. I think it's grade three or grade four. And it's just like you do all the types of natives mm-hmm. in Canada kind of thing, right? And it's super generic. And I don't know if they've updated it yet, but it was still pretty bad the last few years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is one of those, like, as you get older, especially like last year, there were a bunch of protests where they like barricaded the roads here. And, and a lot of people were like, whoa, we weren't great to the, like the indigenous people. And it's like, yeah, we've been talking about that for years. And, and that, I mean, that's everywhere right now. It's like, oh, we're not great, like on so many levels. Mm-hmm. I love the land acknowledgement because you learn about it. You learn how diverse your area is and and I think the more you do it, the less strange it will become and sort of more of the meaningful that it becomes. Hey, it's a drop in the bucket in the right direction to like, just be like, hey, at least we're acknowledging we kind of screwed you over. Like it's without saying that that's kind of what it is, right? It's just that small little like, hey, we acknowledge that. We understand you've been oppressed for a lot of years. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, right? And that's how I kind of feel about it, right? I'm like, oh, that's nice, but that doesn't fix the problem, but cool. Yeah. But as long as people are maybe asking questions and, and now know, like, hey, <laughs> but it's like, that isn't good enough. Do you guys have Columbus Day in Canada? No. No. Okay. <laughs> so we don't do that. <laughs> you mean that's the thing okay. we found in America? <laughs> so that's true. That's true. Sorry. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> so we've had Columbus Day for I don't know however many decades. And lately, over the past couple of years, I've noticed people transitioning more to calling it Indigenous Persons Day. Do you feel like that is a drop in the bucket in the right direction? Or again, what would you like to see? I mean, yeah, I mean, I can't speak fully to everything, the American side of things. But yes, that should probably be a better use of that day. And I don't know, you guys don't have a Native American Day or an Indigenous People's Day there, like at all? Not that is very popular that I know off of without consulting a calendar. That probably makes sense. That would be a typical flip of that day, right? That's yeah. that's what we would like. If I was there, that's what I would do, right? I'd be like, well, this should be that day, right? Yeah, same thing. It's just a drop in the bucket. It's education. It's frontward facing things that everybody would see that would make them go, oh, interesting, right? And try and learn about it. And I think as we're all becoming more, let's say, woke as a society, right? Mm-hmm. As younger generations come up, they want to know more. They have that ingrained into them at a younger age, I think. And so I think it's just going to take time, but that's obviously not going to heal all wounds. And that's why those business things that boost minority business have to exist, right? Because we're pretty behind here. 
funny for me because in the city, I grew up away from all the bad things that happened, but it doesn't mean that I didn't see them. I don't know them. I don't have them in my family. And once you meet somebody, I find myself telling stories because it gives them perspective. They meet me, they might pass me, they have no idea. In most situations, let's say, if it's not a business one, we talk or whatever. And I was always the exact opposite of what they think a native person would be like, right? And then I go, but I am extremely indigenous. I'm culturally, you know, I have all these tools and I like to be that person to prove them wrong, their stereotype wrong, and then re-educate them in a way, right? And hopefully that just changes their perspective. In my first-hand scenario, I can explain like the traumas in my family that I know happened and like all these crazy things. And like when I say to people like that are my friends, and I, these are friends that I've had since high school and who are pretty educated. They, they know my family, they know him. And like, it was only two years ago I said, oh, yeah, he was in residential school. He got beat. Like, you know, he got kicked out. He punched the teacher. Like, he got whipped in the felt. And they're like, your dad? I'm like, yeah, my dad. Like, my dad. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. And I think that's what people don't understand is, like, we all like to think things, you know, we celebrate things, but, you know, anything with World War II. And, History you know, starts when you're born. Yeah, everybody's all about it. And there's all these, like, great things that came out of it. And it's like, you understand that. Like, we were still getting beat <laughs> by yeah. the government after that for another 30 years right like you understand that and it's just like people don't have i think we all want to just push it aside and it's easier to just do that but for me i notice that when they meet me and they meet somebody who can tell a personal story then they go oh oh that's oh i should probably know more right it's like yeah <laughs> you know and i think that's the only way forward so as those younger people are going to be more ingrained with that in the education system, just from wanting to learn more, from more access to information, I think that's going to change and we'll get there eventually. I think everybody knowing what's around you and respecting it and all getting along, right? And it's like, I think that's the thing is multiculturalism is here to stay. <laughs> so you might as well just like, you know, embrace it all. Because I'm culture, I love all the cultures, right? And it's just like, I try and sit back and you and respect theirs and then ask questions right because i don't know everything about their culture so when i can be the person asking questions <laughs> actually i do have a question for you specifically about choosing the name indigenous jared i know you mentioned earlier that aboriginal was the government chosen name i'm kind of curious about what you think about the title or label native american and where i'm coming from with that is when i think of america I don't necessarily think of the United States. I think of the U.S. as the U.S. So when I hear American, I think North American, Central American, South American. And so when I hear Native American, that's where my mind goes. It's a continent. And I say this again just to differentiate between United States versus everything else. How do you feel about Native American versus Indigenous as a title? It really doesn't bother me in any kind of way it's how the people the bands the people in the states want to identify and if they're happy with that that's all that matters right what is appropriate for you that your kids are going to get labeled as right what are you comfortable does it feel like it's derogatory or does it feel like it puts you on a lower pedestal or something then there's something wrong with it but that's just how all optics basically right I do know some people in the States that are trying to, you know, the indigenous thing is gaining a little bit of traction, but again, it's governmental and your governmental system has always been Native American, right? Like, mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure and might be fine with them. I can't speak for them though, right? But it doesn't right. bother me. And like, 
here's the thing is that like if we're, I'm talking to my family or a cousin or whatever, we go, Nate, we say native. Right? But in a business setting, I change it to indigenous because I'm like, well, that's our work. We can say that, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like a derogatory oh, slur in any way, but we're like, no, we're moving to indigenous. Sure like, yeah, exactly. Right? And if you're texting with someone, we, NDN, like <laughs> Indian, right? That's, you can, you know, they're short versions. And so, yeah, like, oh, he's a native guy. We'll say that all the time, right? Is he native? That's what we say a lot of the time, right? And mm-hmm. I think the reason for saying indigenous is to make people more aware or to question things a little bit more again. It's like, no, indigenous, just think about it. we're indigenous to this land, right? We're not the native people that they said we were. And I think that's the changing of the narrative, right? Is like to get people to understand that we've been here for a long time. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't really say native European. Like it's just sort of something that's classified just for this continent then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's because it's the government term, right? Like you're a Native American. I think that's why they would want to identify maybe differently is just being like, yeah, we're Native American, but we're indigenous, right? Like, we were here before America. And I think that's why we changed ours a little bit, right? We predate. It. <laughs> so it's about thinking of Native American as like original American versus no, before America even existed. That's yeah, where exactly. the distinction yeah. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of people think that is a common sentiment is that like, oh, you are given so much. Here's modern tools, here's trade. And that's a really common sentiment. It's just like, your life got better. Why, why are you so angry? Why do you have, you know, you were just well, great we would have been fine. new diseases, like, but you yeah, got the exactly. tools, dude. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? And it's just like, people don't understand that. It's just like, you know what? Like, you guys are all, in my opinion, it's ingrained into my business. We're returning closer and closer. Every year that passes, we're going more towards our values. And it's mm-hmm. funny to us, right? It's just like, oh, you guys all of a sudden care about the earth or you don't want to do all the stripping of everything, right? Like, you don't want to strip your resources constantly. You know, there's that regeneration thing and it's like we didn't take more than we needed and that that kind of thing right yes it was a simpler life but it was a very sustainable life it's so interesting because it kind of ties into not to reduce it down but it is the power of words the power of branding we're in an industry on branding and i think how you take your own and how you present it to the world and sort of ingrain it in yourself is so interesting on everything yeah, it's messaging, right? You're right. We're in marketing and yeah, I'm crafting messaging that I would say pushes both my business board and people. And that's my ultimate goal, right? Is it can't just be about business. And that's the other thing I always say to people is like being an indigenous business, profits don't come first, which just surprises people, right? And it's like, I know that's a weird way to think, but it's just how we roll. Like it can't all be about money. I'm sorry. It's way bigger than this, right? It's for us. Because we've had those traumas, it's about you're looking at other generations and you're going, this is more important, right? And that's why for me, like creating jobs and stability for people and opportunities that might not exist otherwise is most important. This was fascinating. Do you guys have any other questions or topics you want to bring up? When I was talking about, too, what you call yourself, I was debating, do I want to bring up the whole Kamala Harris thing about the fact that she calls herself Kamala, but she calls herself Kamala. But that is a trigger for a lot of Indian people who the name is authentically Kamla. But then you look at, well, do we call someone what they want to be called or do we call them in the traditional ancestry name? Because 
either way, we're offending somebody. We're offending her by calling her what her traditional ancestral name is. Or do we offend the Indians that are like, oh my gosh, I finally have a woman in power who looks like me, but she still wants to identify herself as this American way. So that's kind of what I was debating. Like, do I want to bring this up or not? But I feel like that is so big of a thing. And again, there's so much that's just so nebulous. And I think too, that's really specific to your experiences, Jared, because as you're talking about the value system of an indigenous person and how that impacts your business, I'm simultaneously thinking, listening to you, well, what are the value systems that are uniquely Indian and have they impacted my business? And I can't think of any, which then I kind of wonder like, okay, well then is that feeding back into my imposter Indian feelings? Or is that because the core values are so similar enough and I just, I don't know where to go with it. So that's why too, I think a lot of the stuff that I normally just muse about isn't really applicable in this podcast because I'm like, there's nowhere to go with it, really. Like, it's just going to be a statement that hangs in the air. But I think that's the important thing about what's happening right now is that we don't have the answers. Like, if we had the answers, there wouldn't be race or diversity or inclusion problems. I think part of the role of everyone is to ask that question, even if you don't have the answer, or just say out loud, like, this is what I'm thinking. How do I put it in context? How do I find context for it as well? And Yeah, I think everyone's role right now is put it out there. But I think we also all really like things to be wrapped up so neatly and have a solution to it. But so many topics out there don't have solutions, but they need the value of conversation and discourse. It's a good discourse. So put it out there. Yeah, it was asking the question, right? It's asking yourself if you feel that that is ingrained in your business or should it be? or your life even. And it's all about asking questions and you don't have to have the answer. Kate's absolutely right. I just feel like if you ask yourself that question, you might be able to put yourself in my shoes or someone else's shoes easier and go, oh, that's why I get it, right? You're less judgmental, let's say, or just something, I don't know, more empathetic to what the choices they make mm-hmm. because everybody's so different, right? And there's a, we both live in very large countries with a lot of different types of people, right? And I've done it many a times where I have not put myself in the correct shoes to understand that person, right? And then have those regrets. I'm like, I wish I handled that a tiny bit differently, right? And that's that's, self-reflection about, I guess, how we're, because it's it's a complicated, (laughs) large scope, right? There's no way to know it all and to handle diversity. And even within a culture, one person to the next is so different because we all have different experiences. Yeah, we didn't solve racism in case you're wondering about that. Like this podcast (laughs) didn't fix it. I know, shocking, right? (laughs) You sure? I don't know. We'll we'll check after it gets released. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, like I appreciate, thank you both of you for having this conversation with me. I know. I didn't come with many formal questions, but it's been so interesting. And I think it is that thing of even how much of your identity personally do you bring into your workplace, your world, and how much is sculpted by what you do and what you surround yourself with. So thank you both for taking the time with me and talking about this. I think, you know, we solved racism, so that was really nice. And then the next (laughs) step is like, what else do we have to fix there, guys? World peace. (laughs) I mean, it's a great way to start the new year. (laughs) Exactly. Well, thank you, both of you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. 
Thanks again for listening to this edition of the Promo Kitchen Podcast. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, you can always get involved in the Promo Kitchen community by visiting us at promokitchen.org. You can also show your support by donating to our cause at promokitchen.org slash donate. We would sincerely appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you.